So I want to ask you, open your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. We are going to have our final message today on the Beatitudes. Mixed, mixed reviews, I can, I can tell. So are you guys, how many guys, how many guys are happy that, uh, that today we're going to talk about the eighth Beatitude, which is persecution? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, oh yeah, it's gonna, I hope it's fun. Um, but also sad at the same time because, you know, I love, love reading and preaching and studying uh, the Beatitudes and the entire Sermon on the Mount. Because I just love how Jesus not only speaks to us, but how he walks out what he preaches. You guys ever notice that? That when Jesus presents something, he does so just before he walks something out. And this is what I want us to recognize as I'm preaching the final beatitude today is that, be, that the beatitude set Jesus on a path towards the cross. That the beatitudes initiated a new season in Jesus' life and his ministry which pushed him towards the cross. So I want you to just think about that in light of what we'll read today and, and what we'll study. So Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read all of the beatitudes since, it's, since we're studying the last one. So 1 through 12 today. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... I've referenced this before, and I want to do so once, once again. Up until this point in Jesus' ministry, we had not witnessed Jesus teaching very much. Jesus had been preaching. He had been proclaiming. He had one sermon, which was about the length of a tweet, 140 characters, and he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This sermon, he actually stole from his cousin John. Now, I know a lot of preachers and a lot of people think that they have to always come up with original content before they get started in ministry. You don't. You have precedence in Jesus. Just borrow someone else's sermon. Okay, maybe that was just funnier to me because I'm a preacher. But so Jesus, he is, he is, you know, he's walking around, he's preaching, he's proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he is not only presenting this sentence, but he is demonstrating the power, if I say power, the power of the kingdom of God. So he's healing the sick, right? He's cleansing lepers, he's healing the blind, he's healing the deaf, he's opening up the mouth of the mute. He's causing the lame to walk again. He's raising the dead. I mean, Jesus is doing some very powerful, everybody say power. power. Doing some very powerful miracles. So up until this point, Jesus hadn't really stopped to rest and to teach. But now that's what we see him doing in the Sermon on the Mount. He is sitting down. He is opening up his mouth. And he is teaching his disciples, teaching those who follow him what this kingdom that he keeps proclaiming is really all about. He says, here you go, I'm going to give you a Kingdom 101 class. I'm going to show you, I'm going to demonstrate not just the power of God, but I'm going to teach you about the posture. Everybody say posture. The posture of God. How many of you guys know that both are equally important? It's not enough that we just release the power of Jesus, but we must walk the world with the posture of Jesus. I thought that was 22% better than y'all said amen. But we, we, we not only walk with the... I'm, I'm trying this side. No offense, Jared, but I'm trying this side. Not only should we walk in the power of Jesus, 
but we walk in the posture of Jesus. Jared, they, you guys got to catch up, man. This side's doing better. Okay, verse 3. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now don't, don't forget that. Notice that. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Next beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And here's our beatitude for the day. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice that Jesus gives the same blessing a second time. And he's not just recycling a blessing. Jesus has not simply forgotten, you know, what he was going to say and just use something old, all right? He understands that if you're going to take a stand for righteousness, then you're going to need heaven behind you. And so he says you're blessed when you step out and are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you, he continues. It's, it's really the same beatitude. It's the same thing. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Today, I want to preach to you from the subject of this. Practice the preach, all right? Practice the preach. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your words because you are the only one with the words of life. And so we ask you today, speak to us. As we study your word, speak to us. As we open our hearts to receive your spirit, speak to us. God, our hearts are hungry this morning. Our spirits are open this morning. We ask you to speak to us. We bless you this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So one of the things that I want to remind you of is that whenever Jesus sits down to begin to teach the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, he is not trying to make the crowd more effective Jewish people. He's not even preaching to us in the future, hoping to turn us into better Christians. What Jesus is doing, he is showing us how to be human. He's actually teaching us how to make life livable. He's saying if you practice these things, if you not only pursue the power of God, but you pursue the posture of God, this is how you'll set your heart in the world. And as you do, you will tap into the abundant, rich life that I paid for on the cross for you to live out. And so he's giving us what I might call some posture principles. Jesus is teaching us how we are to posture our hearts, how to make life livable. And what's crazy as we read the eighth beatitude is this. If you're going to adopt the beatitudes and make them your lifestyle, you are guaranteed to face opposition. Isn't that wild? That as you set your heart to follow Jesus' posture, that the world sets, sets theirs against, against you in opposition? And, and it got me thinking this week. I'm like, nobody really opposed Jesus up until this point. 
everyone that followed him celebrated him, right? And that got me thinking this week. I said, you know, people can celebrate you when you operate in power, but people will often persecute you when you operate in posture. Because there's something about God's heart of love. There's something about God's ways, not just his acts, but there's something about God's ways that is so countercultural, that goes against the grain of the predominant script of our day, that causes people, that causes principalities and powers to set themselves against us. And say, I'm okay with you talking about signs and wonders. But when you start operating in supernatural love, we're going to have to oppose you because you're starting to flip the script on us. You guys awake this morning? Yeah. And so we see as Jesus begins to live out this posture of the Messiah, this posture of God, that there are people, principalities and powers that oppose him. Which is why he gives us the eighth beatitude. Because if you're going to go after this, you're going to need heaven to sustain you. And as you go after this, uh, this is something I tweeted out this week. If, shameless plug, if you don't follow me on Twitter, I give you a lot of advanced sermon notes. Okay, But your heart to heal the world will eventually threaten someone else's position of privilege. Let me say it again. Your heart to heal the world will eventually threaten someone else's position of privilege. And what I want to talk about first is really principalities and powers. You know, principalities and powers are very content with the current arrangement. They don't want any change because the current arrangement suits them well. Think about Moses, right? He, Moses had been anointed and appointed by God to heal Israel, right? To bring Israel out of slavery. But before that could happen, he needed to confront the principalities and powers. He needed to go before Pharaoh. And how many of you guys know Pharaohs don't like to be told what to do? Right? Let my people go. You think that was going to be an easy yes? Right? And, but, but he understands that the posture of God, that the way of God is love, and that abolition should happen and freedom should take place for the nation of Israel. So as he goes before Pharaoh to heal the world, he prepares himself for opposition because principalities and powers are just fine with the current arrangement. But when you're a world changer, when you're somebody who has a fire on the inside that says, man, the world just isn't supposed to be this way. We're supposed to set people free, not reject people and, and wound them or hurt them. We're supposed to bring people new life. We're supposed to bring people new love. We're supposed to, you know, help people. Not, when you start to operate in this posture... Prepare yourself for opposition. Prepare yourself for opposition. And, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's not, even, um, it's not even just principalities and powers, but it's also people. Um, you know, it's interesting to me that the eighth beatitude, you know, very obviously follows the seventh beatitude, but Jesus is talking about persecution in the eighth beatitude, but in the seventh beatitude, he talks about peacemaking. And I think it's important that the beatitude on peacemaking precedes the beatitude on persecution. Because when you step out to operate in the posture of Jesus Christ, you will be opposed and persecuted. But it's important that you remember the beatitude that he just mentioned, which was to make peace and not to retaliate against the people who are persecuting you. You guys with me, right? Because the temptation when you're persecuted is to persecute right back, right? 
You're like, oh, you're not going to tell me. I'm going to get angry. I'm going to get upset. I'm going to come for you. Oh, you're going to, I'm going to, you coming for me. I'm coming for you. You know what I'm saying? But that's why Jesus tells us that people who follow the way of the lamb don't return persecution for persecution. They return persecution for peacemaking. So no matter how many times persecution comes your way, you just return it right back with peacemaking. And that's the posture of God. That's the posture of Jesus. You've got to remember that when you reach out to heal, you may not be met with an open heart. Some people are fine staying in their dysfunction. And if you try to help them get out of it, they will afflict you. It's like trying to save a drowning person. Sometimes you have a heart to heal, but you got to use wisdom, right, when you jump in, or else you get drowned as well in the process. Anybody ever been in that place where you're just trying to help somebody out and they end up hurting you, right? And so we got to keep our hearts whole, coming back to Jesus and his posture, so that in the midst of us doing ministry, we don't become so wounded that it's no longer about the people that we're helping to get whole, but it's simply about us and our thing. And I want you to know, if you're going to go after living out the posture of Jesus, you're also going to have to be very passionate about inner healing. It's, it's, it's very true, because I can guarantee you that the more and more you reach out to help, the more and more, you know, people reach back and, you know, smack your hand. Hey, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just being honest, all right? So when, when, when we are oppressed, we don't turn on our oppressor. We simply give them the other cheek. And that's what the seventh beatitude that Allison preached on last week about it was so good. How many of you guys enjoyed that? It's awesome. So when Jesus talks about being persecuted, I know persecuted is kind of deliberated and, and, you know, we kind of lose its definition of what it is. But when Jesus talks about being persecuted for righteousness, he's talking about being persecuted for the right reasons. Right? For, for taking a stand for the way he has created things to be. And there are many who I see, especially on Twitter, who will stand up for the right reasons. But the question Jesus has for you is not, will you simply stand up for the right reasons, but will you suffer for the right reasons? Because it's one thing to stand up and say something, but it's another thing to stand up long enough to have to suffer for it. And when you stand long enough and you're willing to suffer as he did, that's when you get heaven. And that's what Jesus is, is, is pushing us toward as he says, hey, you're blessed. You're happy when you're persecuted for the right reasons. Someone is going to come and stand against you. Something is going to try and impede your way. But at that point, when you're choosing between falling back and sitting or staying up and standing, that's when you're choosing to do what you've been called to do in the power of heaven or simply falling back and doing nothing. So when Jesus tells us, hey, you're blessed, you're blessed when you're persecuted for the right reasons. He's also encouraging us to stay standing when people persecute us for the wrong reasons. He wants us to keep standing because Jesus' people are supposed to practice what they preach. And I know a lot of people, a lot of us, and I'll say me as well, you know, it's easy for us to come to church and talk about the right reasons, talk about righteousness, talk about the good things that we should do. 
But as we step out into the world on Monday morning or go to our, our workplace or, you know, you know uh, post something on- online even, you know, that we feel like is going to help people heal. How many of you guys get, you know, those people trolling on you? You know, on, you're just trying to post something nice, trying to help somebody, trying to encourage somebody. And they give you 99 reasons why you're wrong and why it won't work and why you're a terrible person. And then before you know it, you're religious and, you know, oh, that don't happen to y'all? Okay, so... I, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of what I feel like my persecution is sometimes is, is on social media. But anyways, Jesus, he, he gave us presentations, right? He gave us teachings like the Sermon on the Mount that always led to demonstrations. That was always the case in Jesus' ministry. If you watch, when he gives a presentation, when he teaches, he's setting himself up for a demonstration. Because he never says things just so that we can grow in head knowledge. Jesus teaches us things so that we can step out and live a lifestyle in the posture of Jesus Christ. So he's teaching us the Beatitudes because he is confessing, I am about to live this. I am teaching you this. This is a precursor. This is a prophetic word. Watch, I'm about to live this out as I walk the path toward the cross. I know everybody gets super hyped up on prophetic words, and I do too because prophetic words are packed with promise, and they're awesome, and they're amazing. But a lot of times we get prophetic words because we're about to need them. You know what I mean? Like you get some really good stuff in the prophetic time and the prophetic ministry, and then you step out on Monday and all hell breaks loose, and you're like, but you just said. And Jesus is like, yeah, I just said because I'm bringing you hope. In the midst of this hell, man, hang on to it. Keep going. Keep standing up for the right reasons. Even when you're persecuted, that's what I'm blessing. Keep standing. Keep going for it. This is, this is the way of Jesus. He always does this, which is why he could say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then even though it's a short presentation, he begins to give us a demonstration of healing the sick and raising the dead and cleansing the leper. And what you have to understand about Jesus is that Jesus' life was much less presentation and much more demonstration. He he showed us the power when he said that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But when Jesus sat down to teach the Beatitudes, he initiated a new season of his ministry where he didn't just show us the power, but he showed us the posture. There are blessings, there are promises that come to us. Uh, But they're all for the trip ahead. And if we're going to choose to live out the prophetic words that we've received over our lives, I can promise you, you will face some opposition. But I also want to encourage you, stay standing. Because what you are proclaiming with your prophetic words, what you're giving out in presentation, what you're posting on social media, what you're talking to your friends about, the presentation that you're giving the world, you need to be prepared to live it out in demonstration. You need to be prepared that God is going to take you at your word when you stand up and you say something. That your world is going to be fashioned around that and that even the enemy is going to come against you and try to stop you for doing that. My my, my pastor, uh, Pastor Suber, one of my first pastors, used to tell me, he said, the angels are talking about you, son. He'd always say that. The angels are talking about you. And I I was like, why do you always tell me that? You know, because oftentimes when he would tell me that, I would be going through hell. I say, pick a better time, you know, to say this to me. Why, why every time I'm going through something, you, you think it's encouraging to my heart to hear, the angels are talking about you. I'm like, that's not encouraging. Stop, you know. And, and he used to say this, and, you know, I, I, 
I don't know, it's just an interesting point. He, he would say, you know, if, if, if demons are fallen angels, then, then don't you think that they understand the language of the Spirit? And so if heaven's talking about you and God's talking about you to his angels and the angels are talking about you, then don't you think that hell has taken notice of what's going on in the spiritual realm and they're trying to oppose you in the moment that God's trying to give you some breakthrough? And he said, the angels are talking about you. And I said, man, I'm going through hell. He said, the angels are talking about you. He said, that means they're talking about you. The spiritual realm is stirred up about your assignment in the season, about your destiny, about what's happening. And I said, but you don't understand, Pastor Sue. I'm attacked. And then he'd always lean back from his desk. He's a big guy. He said, greater the attack, the greater the anointing. <laughs> I said, I don't like that. That isn't encouraging. So look at somebody next to you and say, the angels are talking about you. The angels are talking about you. Hey, if you're going to give a presentation of what God's saying about you, you need to be prepared to stand up and give a demonstration to the forces of hell that oppose you. If God be for you, who can be against you? Amen? And so this, this whole initiation of, of what's taking place as Jesus sits down and begins to teach. He's like, guys, sit down. Hey, look, I'm, I'm going to give you a presentation. Here's why I'm going to give you a presentation. Because I'm not just going to show you the power of God right now. It's going to be powerful, but I'm going to show you the posture of God. Here's the reason. Because as I get up from this place, I'm going to begin to walk towards the cross. And as I begin to walk towards the cross, I want you to observe me. I want you to learn from me, and I want you to live like me. Because I'm not just going to be giving away and displaying great feats of power. I'm also going to be showing you, teaching you the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to be showing you how to be meek and humble. I'm going to be teaching you the posture of God. I'm going to show you these beatitudes live and in person and in action. And I'm going to live out the very things that I'm teaching you today. And, and so Jesus gets up from this place and he begins to approach the cross. See, the uh, you know, sort of the, um, the commencement, if you will, of, of the ministry of Jesus is, is completely matched up with the culmination for your notes. I like to alliterate. So the commencement and the culmination are, are strongly linked up. Like, you can see each and every one of the Beatitudes when we behold the beauty of Jesus on the cross. Did you know that? Let's examine it. Let's look it through. I want to show you guys this. Because Jesus showed us how to live and then led us to the cross, which is a place of suffering. Which is Jesus telling us, hey guys, look, I'm going to teach you how to live. But if you choose to live this way, you're going to go through some suffering. Jesus was real, man. Like, every one of his messages was like rated R for real. You know what I mean? Like, he was, he was always real. He was like, look, I'm going to teach you something. It's going to be tough, all right? It might be a little, little hard to hear, but it's going to be real and it's going to be honest. Because if you choose to live my way, you're going to be opposed. But let me encourage you and tell you that when you take a stand for righteousness, all of heaven's going to be at your back. Keep standing. Keep walking. Even if that means walking towards the place of suffering. You know you've been called. You know you're on an assignment. You know that opposition's on its way. Paul said, don't be ignorant of the devil's devices. We know he's scheming up something. But here's the good news. The power that is in you is greater than anything that is before you. And so you just keep walking and heaven keeps breaking free for you. 
So we see Jesus walking this path, and he gets to the cross. And as he gets to the cross to be crucified, we recognize that every single one of the Beatitudes that he set down on that hill, set down on a hill, and he taught these Beatitudes. And now we see him being lifted up on a hill to live out these Beatitudes. We have to, we have to recognize that. Jesus at, Jesus at the uh, Sermon on the Mount, sitting down on the hill. Let me sit down and give you guys a presentation. But he did this for a purpose, so that he could walk it out and not just sit down on a hill, but be lifted up on a hill, on the cross, and give us a demonstration of the posture of God. So you've seen the power, you've been following me because of the power, you've seen the miracles. See, people will follow you when good things are happening in your life. People will follow you as long as the power is breaking free and everything like that. But when you start adopting the posture and that starts leading you into some opposition, that starts leading you into pain, that starts leading you into persecution, you're on a hill, but instead of sitting down, giving away the power, you know, you're being lifted up, being persecuted, and now it's your temptation to remain in the posture and people's leaving and going away. But Jesus says, stay standing. It doesn't matter how many people have abandoned you, I'm with you. It doesn't matter how many people have rejected you. I've accepted you. I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Just keep walking it out. Just keep walking it out. Keep that posture. Don't get angry. Don't return persecution with persecution. Keep walking out that posture and making peace. Even if you are persecuted, guess what? You got all of heaven with you. Uh, and, and, you know, the Apostle Peter, I think it's 2 Peter 4 and 14. I might be wrong. Somebody look it up. You can tweet me later. But he said, when you're persecuted for his name's sake, then the spirit of glory rests upon you. I mean, you think about the reserved anointing that's available for you when you resist persecution. You actually tap. I don't know if it, James can tell us that this is right. But I think you tap into a realm of God's glory that otherwise you don't get to experience if you, if you simply just take a seat and fall back when persecution makes its way towards you. But you get to step out into the glory of God. You say, man, the spirit is resting on me. Because I'm not falling back. I'm standing up. And even if that means I'm taken to a cross, then I'll go and surrender. Because I'm living out. I'm giving a demonstration of the presentation I made on that hill. So check this out. When Jesus is lifted up, you know, obviously he tells us in the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see that blessing taking place on the cross. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are not spiritually rich. Blessed are those who are not spiritually gifted, right? We see the Pharisees, we see the priests who are there, who are spiritually rich, but they're not seeing what's happening to Jesus. And yet we see the thief that is crucified next to him, which is spiritually bankrupt, who is poor in spirit. He is crucified next to him. And what happens for that thief? He is blessed with the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you and you're poor in spirit. Who got blessed? The thief, he's there. He's poor in spirit. And Jesus blesses him with the kingdom of heaven. We see the first beatitude in action. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Who was mourning at the cross? All the disciples left him, but the women. The women that had followed him, they were down, weeping on their knees, looking up at their son on the cross, and they were mourning. And Jesus says, blessed are you and you mourn, for you're going to be comforted. 
who were the first to arrive at the grave on Easter Sunday when Jesus stepped out and began to comfort those who were grieving because he had died. The same women. We see that beatitude in action on the cross. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, Jesus rode into his crucifixion on Good Friday, meek, on a donkey, but proclaiming to be king. He ended up being crucified, but whose kingdom is today stretching throughout all of the earth? Whose government shall never see an end? Jesus, the meek one. We see the beatitudes happening on the cross. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Notice that on the cross when Jesus is lifted up, he says, I thirst. He was thirsty for the world to be set right. And right there on the cross, he lives out that beatitude. And through his sacrifice, he sets the world right to righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. When every single you know, person that's there that's persecuting him is making fun of him, and they're saying, oh, save yourself, Jesus. Save yourself. They're, not, they're not having mercy on him. Who has mercy on him? The, the thief, again, he's like, this is, this is son of God, man. I have mercy, right? And so as a result, he received mercy and was able to go into paradise that day with Jesus. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they're the sons of God. Who saw God that day that shouldn't have? The priests, the religious people, they surely didn't. But a pagan soldier did. The centurion he had no claim to any spiritual in insight, but he saw what happened and declared Jesus to be the Son of God. Yes. The pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Sorry, pure in heart is they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the sons of God. Jesus refused to fight back with violence on the cross. Even though he was suffering at the hands of violence, he could have very easily called thousands and thousands and thousands of angels to be with him and return violence for violence. But instead, he became a peacemaker. And through his forgiveness, he releases peace to the world and he brings us into the family of God. And then lastly, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted. And Jesus was undoubtedly persecuted. But at the height of of Jesus's persecution was the moment in which the spirit was released. We know that the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And it's important to note that it was torn from top to bottom. It wasn't torn from bottom to top. That's how you know that no man did it. But the spirit of God was released through what Jesus did as he was persecuted and he released heaven into the atmosphere and made it available for all who would believe and confess that Jesus is Lord. Jesus on the cross is truly living out the Beatitudes. And as we follow the life of Jesus, we recognize that as believers, as Christians, as disciples, we cannot separate the two. We can't separate the posture of God from the power of God. We can't separate his sermon on the mount being, you know, his teaching on the hill to his being lifted up on the hill for crucifixion. It's the same thing. 
The commencement and the culmination is the same thing. It's the destination of the Beatitudes. And I hope and pray that none of us face a cross in here, but we all must face the Beatitudes. How many of you guys know that we don't just read the Bible, that the Bible reads us? That it prophesies to us the possibility of the way that we could live if we simply surrender to the Spirit of Jesus. And, and, and we read the Beatitudes and they jump off the page and into our heart and we're challenged and we're convicted and we say, man, I, I can see an area of my life that, that needs to be rearranged, that needs to change because I know I'm, I'm, I'm doing a whole lot of presentation. I'm doing a whole lot of, you know, preaching. But I want to start doing some demonstration. I want to start practicing. I want to start walking what I'm talking. I want to begin to live uh, a posture of God. And the Bible is, is, is reading you this morning. The Bible saying, hey, this is, where, this is where we need some change. We can't be nostalgic about the Beatitudes. We can't be... Um, you know, just think that there's something nice to say. They're not something that we just frame and we, you know, burn the edges with a lighter and hang them on our mantle and say, oh, that's sentimental. That, that doesn't really apply to my life, but it's very sentimental. You know that being sentimental about Jesus is the religious way of ignoring Jesus? Jesus meant what he said to be lived by us. And that's why the Beatitudes read us. So as we're standing today, I'm going to pray for you. And I hope that this series on the Beatitudes, I know I probably could have really dove into this last one even the more, but I just, I really wanted to just catch all of the Beatitudes at once and, and bring them full circle for us as a church. And just declare that they're not just nice teachings, but they're prophetic words about our lifestyle. Father, we thank you for the words of Jesus Christ. We thank you. And I just want to ask you, just close your eyes, bow your head just for a moment. And I want you to investigate your own heart just for a moment. And maybe there was a specific beatitude today that jumped out at you. And you thought, yeah, that's, that's reading me today. That's, I need that, God. Or maybe you're in the midst of actual, literal persecution. Maybe it's not violence. Maybe it's slander. Maybe someone is coming against you because you're simply trying to walk out righteousness. And I want you to know that no matter which beatitude you're connecting with this morning that Jesus has a blessing for you he says that you're blessed Jesus take your word and transform our lives take your word and apply it to our lifestyles God we ask for grace none of us none of us are always able to take words and just bear a hundredfold fruit every single time God, but we know that your Holy Spirit, as it is with us, can bring forth fruit in the right time through every seed that is sown through your word. And we declare today that the soil of our heart is good soil. 
God, place your seed deep into the soil of our heart and cover it and protect it. We pray grace over the seed that the Beatitudes would become a lifestyle for this church, for this family, for this community. And we pray and declare this today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen.